Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planter, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. And Dalton Del Don, my co-host for today's show. Do you know what satisfied me today? And actually, not really just today. We'll go with the last two days in general. Um, Last Friday, my fiance and I met up with her group of friends uh, to sort of... We went to like one of those new drive-in movies, which is great now. Because like essentially, we're just going backwards in time, real, really, here here during the pandemic. And uh, one of her friends' uh, fiancés has like a home gym set up. And I was so furious with it that um, in a fit of like jealous rage over the weekend, I've been scouring uh, Facebook Marketplace for like old gym equipment, essentially. Found a bench press this weekend. We are starting a gym in the Harmon garage, and you just love to see it. So I'm satisfied with that. So I'm going to be in my home gym. Going to hook a TV up down there, the whole thing. And I'm going to be doing my bench presses, Dalton, while I'm snacking on some delicious, salty, but very high-protein planters nuts. Like it, Matt. You know, I, I checked out your situation on Instagram. I happened to, I've seen the pictures. It looked looking good. Uh, I'm not much of a free weights guy. I do some push ups. Uh, sadly, it's almost end of my swimming season. But yeah, I'm jealous of the situation there. Look, look good. So we'll see you swole. I'm going to see you. We should do a before and after picture. Well, you know, uh, I, I've gone through quite a, you know, a lot of transformation weight wise in, in my have, life, yeah. of course. But, you know, this 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 whole pandemic situation, what's we're, it's I'm done with with uh, with Doughboy pandemic bod. You know, it's time to get because the gym is, you know, they're, they're they're closed. They're not coming back at this point for for quite some time here in California. I'm ready to just take this thing into the house and do it. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, the, the big task though is of course, now I got to actually clean out my garage, which I, I'm yeah. sure you can relate is a real pain in the ass. Uh, but, anyway. and I should say your definition of doughboy is a little different. You look to be in pretty good shape. Uh, <laughs> as we're starting here. I got I, I would say that, but uh, anyway, c- c- go ahead. Some of us have to be very hard on ourselves, but luckily Dalton, we're, we're going to, we're going to start off positive on this show. Essentially what we're going to be doing on these Wednesday programs is kind of just diving into some, you know, heavier nerd stats, some some deep analytics stuff and sort of trying to identify some trends, sort of trying to identify what's signal, what's noise. We're going to start off positive with some week one trends that we just absolutely love to see. And I'm going to start off on this because I think, frankly, it's the biggest story in the NFL. I know that, you know, we could talk about a lot of different things. But to me, the fact that the Seahawks Dalton went past heavy and were in fact one of the most past heavy teams in week one and nobody made them do it. You know, they controlled that game 
in Atlanta throughout the entire afternoon. Uh, and, and at the same time, they were 64% pass rate on first and second down. 32 passes, 18 runs on first and second down. That is exactly what we've always wanted to see from the Seahawks. They really actually let Russ cook. And I, I feel like personally this has to change our entire outlook uh, for this team going forward. Am I overreacting or is this actually some good signal here? Uh, first of all, speak for yourself as far as this being positive news. As a 49ers fan, it was uh, a rough fair, Sunday. Fair Not only the <laughs> only team losing in that division, but Russ is cooking. That's a major issue. It's a problem for the entire NFL if this is an indication of the future because I believe he threw on first down at a higher rate than the Chiefs even last year in the first half of this game. It was the highest first down percentage. So, yeah, he's one. Of, I said in my NFC preview, preview one of the five best players ever and Jason and a couple commenters, uh, you know, took a step back on that. And man, if they let him throw like this, uh, uh, unfortunately, the rest of the world's going to believe uh, my my crazy comment. Uh, whatever. Obviously, his resume didn't suggest that, but on a perf- efficiency basis. Russell Wilson is awesome, and this is scary if the coaching staff has truly unleashed him. And yeah, uh, he's a superstar, and it's going to put up uh, big, big numbers. He's going to be the guy, and everyone said, Dak Prescott may move into the top two. Well, it looks like it could be Russell Wilson as well. Yeah, like if this is the approach that they're taking, I think it changes the entire game. I mean, because I'm with you, Dalton. Like, Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play. You know, like the fact that They've he's always consistently bailed them out. You know, uh, I think Kevin Clark from the ringer always says like the Seahawks have never played a normal game. Well, it's because the the coaching staff always puts them into these positions like they still run their team over the last few years. Like they're that team that went to the Super Bowl where they have this great defense and they can just rely on a running game. They don't have Marshawn Lynch anymore. They don't have all of these great defensive stars. But, you know, the reason that I think this is 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 a is a signal and not just a noise and you know i think that look i think this is a little bit narrative uh street type stuff but the fact that mike florio or what maybe it was mike tarico going back and forth essentially reported that russell wilson went to the coaching staff and said enough is enough like you have to you you've got to let me do this and i think in an era where we're seeing players becoming you know, more empowered than ever. If you're Russell Wilson and you say like, Hey, I'm not doing this stuff anymore where I'm just going to, you know, manage the game and then bail us out at the end of it. Like really let me take the reins because look at all of these other great offenses around the league that are doing this. That's why I buy into this as being something that we're going to see as a, as a permanent change because Russ is apparently aware of the movement and is fully backing it to the coaches. There was this crazy graph going around that was showing uh, the discrepancy between teams trailing versus leading, and and the Seahawks just stuck out like a sore thumb as far as always trailing in the first three quarters, and they're the only team that shoots way up in the fourth quarters, and it's obvious just by the usage of of Russell Wilson, and if if this is a signal, which I fear it is, uh, yeah, he's going to put up a monster fantasy season, and the Seahawks are are a threat to win the NFC, no question about it, no matter how, uh, whatever question marks they have on their defensive line, and yes, this was a good matchup, uh, and, and, and indoors against a, a susceptible defense. But if Russell Wilson truly does throw the ball more, it's a problem. So now, where do we do with Chris Carson? On one hand, uh, Russell Wilson actually led Seattle in rushing yards this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carlos Hyde, the late, the late reports before the season were like, uh-oh, it might be a hot hand approach. But uh, conversely, six targets is really nice. I mean, of course, not going to catch two touchdowns every time. But man, if he starts getting uh, more usage in the passing game, that could really help counter 
uh, the the lack of volume as far as the rushing. So what do you make of that situation? Yeah, I'd rather them be a more efficient offense for four quarters than have Chris Carson mm-hmm. getting 20 carries. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like if, if Chris Carson gets 14 carries and six targets, something like that on a weekly basis, I, I think that the trade off there is better because we we know that receptions are worth or targets are worth more than carries in pretty much any format that awards you a uh, a reception bonus, whatever. So I like this just approach for the entire offense. I like it for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, obviously, but I even like it for Chris Carson. Like I think that if Chris Carson was still that running back, that was the face of, uh, you know, the face of a, a run first boring offense, like the Seattle Seahawks has, have always been, I think he would have been a fine, you know, upper tier running back too. But this now I think puts him in position to potentially be a top 12 type running back, which I don't think was in the range of outcomes before. It also, I will point out, probably makes him more likely to stay healthy because there are more valuable touches, but fewer, you know, just the banging in between the yes. tackles over and over. So what a narrow tree in Atlanta. Has there ever been a game with three receivers seeing 12 targets? I mean, that's <laughs> pretty, pretty wild. Or certainly, I mean, that's uh, pretty crazy. So very fun game for sure. And Russell Wilson, uh, fantasy superstar and possible league, uh, league MVP candidate for sure if he keeps getting treated this way. Yeah, we don't have to spend too much time on the Falcons, but that Falcons game, I mean, the Falcons just look like every the same team every year, you know, awful defense gets worse every year. Dan Quinn can't figure out how to fix it. And uh, Matt Ryan puts up a bunch of hollow yards, you know, and I think Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, obviously, and they have good, have good players on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, now it's essentially just like we, this is great for Rid. I mean, it's great for Ridley and it's great for Julio Jones. This was the analysis coming into the year. And now it's just like, I feel like we're going to have to play a weekly guessing game between uh, Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst because uh, Gage obviously got the volume in week one. Hurst uh, had a higher rate of slot routes, slot routes than any other uh, tight end in week one. So we'll just see. We'll be playing a ping pong game back and forth then. Let's move on to another trend um, that we love to see. Just want to say you're right. Has there ever been a quieter 450-yard game by Matt Ryan? I yeah, mean, yeah, you're totally yeah, yeah. right. I mean, hollow yards and just – if he threw the ball 54 times and Todd Gurley had one receiving yard on five targets after finishing last in yards per route run among running backs last year. I think that's an issue for your Gurley backers out there. Sorry, Matt, continue. No, I told, I pretty much agree with your analysis. Like, I don't really care what Gurley does in September. I, I really care about what he's doing into October and November. Um, rooting for him, obviously, but, you know, it is what it is. Let's move on to to the next one that uh, I really I really like to see. You know, I'm a Josh Allen guy. Josh Allen led the league in play-action pass attempts, and the Bills obviously, therefore, led the NFL in play-action uh, play rate. It's a huge jump from last year when they were 24th in the NFL. I I liked what I saw out of the Bills offense in week one. Let's obviously put the caveat out there that the Jets are a goddamn dumpster fire. Number one, we know that they're going to be one of the worst defenses and one of the worst teams in the NFL. But at the same time, um, and obviously, like we know that Josh Allen's always going to have a disgusting overthrow like we saw uh, it, to, to John Brown in the end zone. We know he's going to have some of the like most memeable fumbles of all time. We know that that's going to happen, but I like that the, I like the approach that the bills offensive coaching staff put together, which is a nice boost along with the personnel that they now have in place. Yes. Uh, it's a cheat code play action. So this is a great point. And if they continue to, to, to use this, it's going to help his stats for sure. Uh, you said it. He's uh, has the highs and lows, uh, the bad fumbles, the John Brown was so open for that other touchdown. <laughs> so open. I would be <laughs> 
so wide open. I would be shocked if, but maybe, what if he does keep the value of two wide receivers? Man, I mean, it's possible. John Brown, love to see John Brown suddenly become such a reliable option. I remember he was just so mad. I know you loved him throughout his career. Uh, I have too. It's, it's awesome to see. Um, it, like I said, a cheat code, all this play action. I was one of the people saying he's. it's hard to rush for eight to ten touchdowns every year as a quarterback. He's going to regress. He had another one. Um, the Jets had a linebacking core was just decimated. Yeah. But he has a, he had not thrown for 270 yards in a game before in his career. And here Allen throws for 312. Um, the rushing TDs are, are, are the cheat code to go along with the play action. So fantasy terms, he does not have to be. Uh, uh, the most accurate real life player to be a top 10 and approach top five fantasy guy this year. Um, man, uh, you're, you look good so far after week one, for sure. Poor, poor man's version of the 2015 Cam Newton season. That's, that's the kind of the way I'm looking at it. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to have that type of year. I think it's crazy to project anybody to have that type of year. And I don't think that Josh, I think Cam Newton's a much more talented passer than Josh Allen, but I think that's the type of season that he's going to have. And no matter what, going into week two, uh, they play the Miami Dolphins. So right. another, another right. like you know, fire up Diggs, fire up Brown, fire up Josh Allen, uh, ready to go. I'm I'm interested to pick your brain on this one because this is a this is a spot where I was wrong uh, on one of the running backs after Week One. Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Austin Eckler were both top ten. I think they were tied for ninth among running backs in routes run. Now, the narrative on both of their receiving work is quite different. The fantasy hive mind is essentially saying. Look, the, the the passing game work for CEH will come because of his resume in college, the coach that he plays for. Austin Eckler had a really solid day as a rusher, a plenty of volume there, but nothing in the passing game. You know, just 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 not what we are expecting from Austin Eckler. And the fantasy hive mind is essentially saying this is what we should expect because of the coaching staff that he's playing for, the quarterback that he's playing with. Have you adjusted expectations on Edwards Hilaire or Austin Eckler as a receiver based on what we saw in week one, or did this sort of confirm your priors? Okay, so first of all, it's just funny that Edwards Hilaire was the only rusher in the NFL to run for 100 yards until Monday night games um, and not have a catch. And Jonathan Taylor, meanwhile, lead all rookie receivers in receiving yards after week one, yet get removed at the goal line for Neam Hines. Like, what what is happening? I mean, it's just literally (laughs) opposite of of what was drawn up. But, of course, that's what we should be expected. But, yes, my expectations have changed as far as as feared the Phillip Rivers – to Tyrod Taylor change was was big time. I mean, Taylor, you, I, it is interesting the route runs that you point out about Eckler, but Taylor, 3% of his passes were targeted to running backs. 37% of Rivers were, I think, Hines. Uh, if you're in a PPR league and he's somehow out there, I would I would use all of my budget Scooping. on him. Scooping, I think I mean, yep. he's... Uh, he's, I mean, especially if he's going to get 10 to 12 carries, too. I think offensive line will play better. Quentin Nelson entered that game a little banged up. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, could that have gone any better? I mean, you're, you're, you go from so frustrated from number three running back out there to Mac tearing his Achilles. Uh, wow, what a difference there. But um, Eckler, you love to see all the carries. There are two concerns with him. Not only the Tyrod Taylor situation, but Joshua Kelly. He looks like yeah. the real deal to me. So, um, yes, I'd be concerned if I were uh, an owner of Eckler. And um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you make of it moving forward? I mean, there's so many running back situations. I mean, I'm the guy who was in on Connor. So, I mean, yeah. you can't be too upset if someone comes away week one with 19 rushing attempts. Yeah, I think that 
like we could see these these scripts totally reverse after you know week two yeah. we might see Austin Eckler get six targets or something and feel a lot better. I do think that Josh Kelly's not going away. Like that that is clear. I did. Th- I mean, I thought that going into the season, though, I thought that Kelly would be a factor. He might be a a goal line back, which is what we saw in, in week one. Essentially, Anthony Lynn. I think this is important. And Anthony Lynn came out after the game and said, "I don't think we would have won." against the Bengals if we didn't have Josh Kelly. That says to me that he's going to continue to get work, especially with Justin Jackson already nursing another injury. So um, this is one I really want to track because I think I agree. Edward Solaire is going to end up getting passing work. Uh, Austin Eckler, I want to see, you know, I'm, I'm leaving the candle lit that he might still get some uh, work going forward. You mentioned the Steelers. I want to touch on this guy next because um, he's one of the guys that we both liked coming into the year. Uh Dalton, I don't know if you uh, were aware of this, but folks legit wanted to, you know, retire and cancel Deontay Johnson at halftime uh, because he dropped like a pass and made a couple mistakes. But here's what I think is more important. Deontay Johnson among week one Steelers pass catchers, 32.3% of the team targets that was first on the team, 55% of snaps that was uh, I mean, 55 snaps that was tied first with Juju Smith-Schuster and 32 routes run second to only Smith-Schuster. I think that is the better signal than the fact that he made a couple of mistakes. I think it's still, you know, wheels up for a guy like Deontay Johnson, who looked good in spurts, obviously, when he wasn't dropping the ball. In that one ball that hit his back shoulder, it was unclear, even though the announcers made it seem like it was his fault because he was having a quote unquote rough night. I don't know if the reaction of Big Ben that necessarily was was on him. Um, but yeah, 10 targets. You love to see it. The whole offense got off to a sluggish start. It's a weird season and all that. Um, I think Dante Johnson's in for a, a nice year. As long as Ben Roethlisberger says he's healthy and he, and he looks fine, you know, it didn't look too much like oh, the beginning there was a little questionable, but um. It was a nice matchup, but uh, Deontay Johnson, yeah, I drafted him aggressively. So uh, very, very nice to see him bounce back after that tough start. But uh, James Washington, some nice upside and Juju looking good, too. But um, yeah, that whole offense, I expect bigger gains from Eric Ebron moving forward, too. They'll, they're, uh, what, do you, what do you make of the whole Connor and Snell situation? Uh, at least I did back him up there, but man, it didn't take but, but two quarters for him to exit that game. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah, really frustrating because I think he was obviously set up for a great spot and the fact that the passing offense looks great. Even Chase Claypool is out there making plays, and that's a guy that yeah. Roethlisberger has has hyped up too. That would just lead you to believe more in the backfield. Um, you know, I, I just said I just said the phrase, but uh, Mike Tomlin also said uh, just today that he is hoping he's leaving a candle lit for James Conner, which I, <laughs> that means uh, who the hell knows. Uh, I don't think that Conner is like done for good. Um, I think if you take Benny Snell off the waiver wire, like I'll, I'll, somebody asked me this question. They sent me a screenshot of who's available uh, in their league. It was Malcolm Brown, Naheem Hines, uh, Benny Snell, sort of the, the big mainstays. I put Snell third on that list. Uh, I don't know if you would feel the same way, but I feel like Snell could give you a couple good games and then Connor might come back and then make things pretty confusing. I do agree with that because I like those other two. I mean, Malcolm Brown was going to go down as the most underrated player in all of drafts if he's just the lead back on, on the Rams. Um, but but the thing is, this Steelers team could have a one of the best rosters in football, and Tomlin really wants a featured back. So who, if one of them emerges, there's going to be value here. But yeah, it doesn't sound like Connor's injury is that serious. And as Snell did look improved throughout camp, um, it's still Connor, yes. Connor is, is around. So uh, I'm, I'm, it's going to be frustrating for the time being. If guys who have both of them on their teams would frankly just want one to go away. So if, if that's Connor, that'd be fine. But for the, I agree with you overall the season. I, I would rank him third there because Connor remains. While, while we're talking here, I'm sorry to circle back, Matt, but you're the, yeah. you're the wide receiver 
receiver guy. I just want to ask you about the Chargers situation. Uh, Mike Williams just looked like <laughs> one of the guys that jumped out to me yeah. um, of, of week one. The guy was supposedly playing injured. So you do the, the route charting and all that. Um, who would you rather have on your fantasy team? Because I know you like Keenan Allen, but oh, am God. I overreacting? Because I'm like, dude, week one, new quarterback. This guy's younger. He's bigger. He's the monster downfield. I would rather Mike Williams on my fantasy team right now. So uh, tell me yeah. why I'm just crazy overreaction week one, Dalton. And tell me why I'm wrong. And Keenan Allen is clearly the safer guy to have for the next 15 weeks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. The thing is, like... I just don't see Keen- – like, Keenan Allen's still going to be the same guy, right? Which is he's going to run great routes. He's going to be open in the middle of the field. Um, but he's just – this is where I might have just gotten caught up in the fact that he's such a good player and I figured that they'd adjust to that. But maybe he's just not going to get the type of usage – like, he's not going to get the type of volume to pump that type of receiver up. And that's where I might have erred too much on the fact of his skill set. Because here's the deal with Mike Williams. Williams is a good player. Like, I th- I thought this last year when 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 charting Mike Williams, like, man, if some team just threw him the ball 150 times, you know, a season, like, what would happen? Because Philip Rivers right. constantly throwing this guy into contested situations. I feel like you know the NFL has that uh, catch probability stats via next gen stats. I feel like every Mike Williams target has a like a 15% catch probability. This guy is right. always targeted downfield. He's already always targeted in tight coverage. And it's not because he can't separate. Like he's a pretty decent deep route runner. He's a pretty decent like curl route runner, whatever. I mean, he's not the best separator in the league, obviously, but he's not hopeless. So, but he catches a lot of those passes, right? Like he ends up bringing a lot of those down. So that's why I like I like Keenan Allen. I ended up drafting a lot of Mike Williams because I figured he would get these vertical targets. I figured he'd get these targets in high leverage situations. And look, here's the deal with Williams too. If something ever happens to Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry or whatever, it's also worth noting, noting Hunter Henry uh, had the second highest target share among all tight ends uh, in week one, trailing only Darren Waller. And he's a guy who could really go nuts against the Chiefs this week. Uh, if you're playing daily fantasy, like I definitely think about Hunter Henry. So, but the point, the point here is like, can't, uh, uh, Mike Williams, you know, if something ever happens to any of these guys and his target share boosts up, he gets all of those high leverage targets. So like, as I'm sitting here talking to myself, I'm like, you know, I really want to say Keenan Allen because I, I love the player and I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league. But there's a lot of situations where Mike Williams could end up out, you know, not outscoring him, but closing that gap in fantasy by the end of the year. You love to see this concentrated share, though. You, I didn't realize Hunter Henry was number two in tight end because uh, not to bury uh, Keenan Allen because his was nearly a 28 percent target share ranked like top 15. Mike Williams, 31 percent was top eight week one, just one week. But you love to see that narrow target tree. Um, wasn't going to bury, uh, you know, give you a hard time for, for liking Allen. I'm just saying Mike Williams looks like a star to me. And I'd be the crazy yes. guy saying, I know that sometimes the market is obviously sl- one was called slower. Other would say it's sane. I'm the crazy man who says right now, Mike Williams over Keenan Allen, but all right, continue with where, uh, we were supposed to go on this outline before I took us veered us off path. No, I think the chargers are such like, they're such an interesting team, man. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought the whole outfit was underrated. Like, there's one team I drafted uh, just recently with a bunch of you know guys from like Roto World and uh, JJ Zacharyson, a bunch of a bunch of you know a bunch of heavy hitters or whatever. I ended up taking Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams, and I kind of hate myself for it. But at the same time, like <laughs> I think all of those guys have a chance to be pretty good this year. So, 
anyways, yeah, it, it is what it is, man. We'll see about these Chargers. They sort of they sort of given me a little bit of a headache and like a little bit of heartburn as I'm sitting here talking about them. <laughs> Let's move on to something that's a little more positive. Uh, Gardner Minshew, 19 of 20 uh, completion, like his completion percentage over expectation was number one in terms of the NFL's next gen stats. Uh, he was awesome. I think he was really good. It's also worth noting um, that he was top. He was top five in fastest time to throw and bottom five in intended air yards on his pass attempt. I kind of, I'm kind of starting to talk myself into the fact that Jay Gruden, Gardner Minshew are a perfect marriage. And, you know, we can talk about how the Jaguars are trying to lose or whatever. Gardner Minshew isn't trying to lose out there, man. Like I, I, I'm suddenly starting to think that this passing game might either the Colts are way overrated as a team or the Gar or the Gardner Minshew led Jaguars passing offense might just have some really good sneaky fantasy value throughout the year. Gardner Minshew, yeah, set setting records for that 95% completion percentage. Uh, I think three TDs, no interceptions, first player ever do that week one. Yep. Um, you know, the advanced stats didn't love him overall last year, but he finished first in deep ball passing. He was just awesome on, on balls that went far down the field fantasy wise I bumped him way up toward the end I started thinking about it I'm like he's just a cheaper Josh Allen both inaccurate both gonna run um, maybe they're gonna be playing from behind more the Bills have a really good defense and, and, and fewer uh, running back answers although James Robinson looks like to me a major upgrade over Fournette I, I would absolutely be grabbing him I, uh, because they're gonna treat him like a feature back I know Thompson will get some catches and if Minshew has that offense okay um, I like him so yeah, with the rushing, I think he was second among all quarterbacks last year in scramble rate. Minshew, um, you don't love to see just three targets from Chark. Yeah, I, I ranked him aggressively too. But you will rarely will you see Minshew in this defense probably only throw the ball twenty times too. So yeah, you love to see it. I mean, eight point seven YPA even Minshew was uh, was was really good in real life and uh, is going to help you in fantasy too. I mentioned the stats earlier uh, Earlier about getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Only two quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers and Dwayne Haskins, had a faster time to throw. And only one quarterback uh, threw it shorter in terms of intended air yards on his pass attempts, and that was Jared Goff. So I love that fit with Jay Gruden. But the receiver core is really interesting, as you mentioned, because I think a lot of us, and myself included, thought DJ, uh, DJ Shark would be like a target hog in this offense. But... The way that passing game sort of flows, I really think LaVisca Chenault is going to end up being one of the most underrated players in drafts this year because that sort of approach to passing fits that player particularly perfect. Chenault, more carries than Antonio Gibson in, in college. Uh, fun fact. Uh, yeah. Jay Gruden might be one of those guys, way better coordinator than head coach. And he, he might be an app, uh, really, really helpful here. And I got, can I just say, I was flat out, I was thought it was more of a Chargers stink than a Phillip Rivers stink, and I was just wrong. And um, thankfully, I didn't pick the Chargers, I mean, sorry, the Colts in Survivor, like a lot of people in my pool uh, did. But, um, uh, man, um, just, uh, he's just going to dump off to his running backs. Every <laughs> Hope you have Hines uh, uh, and Taylor is all I'm saying. I've that just looks bad. I don't know what to tell you. People that pick the Colts make super. I picked them to win the division, uh, um, but yeah. I, I would I would absolutely pick Tennessee if I had to do over there. Yeah, we'll see, man. I think that we could look at a very different. Like I, I think if this team played that, if that matchup got played out, you know, ten times on a neutral field, I think the Colts probably win more of those games. Like the Jaguars had some good breaks. Their rookie uh, C.J. Henderson, the cornerback there, the Colts went after him, and he was awesome in coverage. Plenty of pass breakups really made them pay for for going after him there. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Jaguars are an interesting. They're they're not going to be a good team, but I think this passing game might be a little interesting to watch. I wanted to thank again our sponsor for this episode, Planters. 
When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor that you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, let's move on to week one trends you kind of hate to see. I think the when you look at the play, would look at the teams that were top five in early down success rate. Oh, a few that we mostly expect: Vikings, Patriots, Cowboys, Rams, and the Raiders. That one might be unexpected, but let's talk about the teams on the bottom five of this perspective. An early down success rate is just successful play rate on your first and second down plays. So really when you're trying to get that offense moving, this metric correlates really well with winning uh, over the long haul, by the way. Maybe not so much in week one, but this one I wanted to look at here. The Chargers, the Washington football team, Steelers and Giants were tied for 31st in this metric, which is like, I mean, if that, that was the one game watching it throughout the entire weekend where I was like, these two teams probably could have used a preseason. They, they looked like they needed a little bit of uh, time to get rolling. But the, the worst team in this metric, the Philadelphia Eagles, how, what's, what's your, like your panic meter right now on the Eagles offense as a whole? First of all, can I give you a, I want to give you a little victory lap on Cam. I mean, I was skeptical of him, and you said they were top five. New yes, England, yes. Success rate. So yeah, let me there. let me so, take let me take that lap. <laughs> he looked pretty good. No, I'm serious. You were in on Cam. He looked good. I mean, they they they, they did their whole offense design McDaniel's. I was uh, maybe just dead wrong on that because they, it was an obviously a nice matchup and whatnot. But man, if they just keyed to his skills, it could really work out in fantasy terms, especially. But it was just one game, a good matchup. Uh, we'll get to the bad teams. I'm just curious, what were your thoughts on Cam Week One? You love to see it, man. Uh, I also, I also just love the fact that the outfit walking in. I was, I lost that. I was like, uh, why am I fading this guy uh, when Twitter when his outfit walking in? I'd already lost before the kickoff even started. So yeah, yeah. you do love to see it. So yeah, man, I, I love the the marriage between uh, this team and this player too. Like it seems like. You know, it's not that the the Patriots like want to get rid of Tom Brady or want to kick dirt on Tom Brady or anything like that, but it's just the reality of like I think McDaniel's and Belichick are juiced up to like create this new offense and start from scratch. And I think we're just gonna like that was a great first test. I I can't wait to see like when they start to sort of open up the passing game as well because I thought Cam like more importantly than the for fantasy, yeah, obviously it's great that like he had he had all those designed runs. They don't really have to worry about, you know, long term with Cam Newton because he's more of a bridge from the Brady era to whatever comes next. Um, so the, for fantasy, the, the rushing's great. But I thought even more important, like his arm looked good. I thought he didn't look like he he looked he didn't look like, you know, MVP Cam Newton, but he at least looked like early 2018 Cam Newton, which is exactly what you want to see. So I, I can't wait to see sort of as they open that offense up more. Maybe I think I am dead set in my opinion that if if Cam continues to play well they are going to trade for a big-name wide receiver. I know it always hasn't worked out for uh, the Patriots with trading for wide receivers. Sure as hell hasn't worked out for when they've drafted wide receivers, but I think they're going to look at themselves like, hey, if we're you know 4-2, and two, Cam's playing well, we look like we could win the division or compete with the Bills, whatever. Let's make a big swing for a wide receiver and get Nikhil Harry and some of these goofballs off the field. Right before we started recording this, Alan Robinson, your guy, scrapped all his bears. Oh yeah, uh, I'm on. I'm on social media. (laughs) Yeah, he might have been spotted at Logan Airport even. But um, anyway, so all right, uh, let me circle back to your Eagles question. Apologies uh, for taking us uh, off there again. Uh, The Eagles were up seventeen nothing in this game. Looking no apologies needed, man. Screwing out. 
truly 27 unanswered points later. I, love, I was going nuts when the, when the announcer says it's unanswered in the middle of a game. I'm like, wow, you, you know the game is, they're not going to answer that. Interesting. So um, what, this is not that surprising to me. Uh, Philadelphia entered with a ton of offensive line injuries, just decimated, not just saying that, like two or three down. And Washington made the biggest upgrades among their defensive line. It wasn't Niners-esque, but it was uh, right one step below that, the, the upgrades they made. So this doesn't shock me at all. I mean, they're deal- I mean Deshaun Jackson's snaps were even limited. Boy, I thought he was going to have a, a better game. And, and Rager was coming off the injury. And um, one, one hot take, if it is one, I will tell you right now that I wrote in my weekly wrap. Um, I would rather Dallas Goddard than Zach Ertz moving forward, just given their career trajectory, um, the second half last year and, and Ertz's injury proneness. I, I don't even think that's especially crazy. I would, I think the odds are Goddard is the better PPR fantasy player moving forward than Ertz. Well, I think the big thing too is that like neither of these guys is going to get taken off the field. Like this looked exactly right. like the Eagles' offense to end last year which if you're an Eagles fan if you want them to win the NFCs that's not what you want to see we knew that they needed to move away from that offense but you got Carson Wentz under 7.0 yards per attempt you've got pretty much uh Greg Ward Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard leading the way in the target tree Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are good players but you wanted to get those vertical guys more involved but Carson Wentz number one was under pressure a lot eight sacks. He completed zero passes when he was under pressure too, by the way. And he just needs to learn like when to get rid of the ball, man. Uh, Watching that game over again, like just wasn't feeling things very well. And you brought up the 49ers comparison. Like, I don't think it's crazy to think that Washington as a team that is absolutely loaded on with first round picks on their defensive line. You know, we're talking about the two guys from Alabama, we're talking about Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, we're talking about plenty of good players. And then Chase Young, a potential transformative talent, gets dropped into the mix. It's not that dissimilar to Joey Bosa. I mean, uh, yeah, to Nick Bosa getting yeah. dropped into the 49ers mix last year. Like, unle- everybody suddenly has, you know, their assignments kind of taken down a notch, right? Like, now everybody's thinking about how do we stop Bosa, then guys like Armstead can start to break out. Buckner can have a great season. Maybe that's not so dissimilar to in Washington. Holy crap, we got Chase Young now. We got to deal with this guy. Then Deron Payne, Allen, all of these guys can start to have big seasons as well. Even Mark uh, Sweat, Montez Sweat, the guy they drafted last year, another player I didn't, another first round pick that, that they have on that defensive line there. No, I absolutely think they were underrated entering the year and, and going to be not a, a cake matchup. And then Philadelphia's also dealing with the running back situation. Uh, man, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Fantasy managers have spent, you know, on Miles Sanders. Um, hopefully it's a quick return. And then Boston Scott, it always works that way. You think you get the free square in DFS, and of course he leaves <laughs> injured too. So it's just, uh, yeah, that's, the way it, that's just the way it goes, kids. Um, and Peyton Barber, the most Peyton Barber line ever. 17 carries, 29 yards, two touchdowns. Is this hilarious there but um yeah it's a it's a philadelphia if they if they do want to make a deep playoff run they're going to have to you know fix the protection it's not just washington's uh improved uh, defensive line uh, there there's definitely some some issues with philly as well yeah i think it's a little bit of like both hashtag both things can be true there yeah all right let's talk about the browns Ugh. i mean here let, let's start out number one by saying if you didn't expect the Browns to just get taken to the woodshed by the Ravens in week one, I think you were kind of doing it wrong. Like everything set up for the Ravens to just cream this team, their division rival that they know really well. Um, 
The Ravens have an awesome defense that they made even better up front, even if they let go of Earl Thomas in the offseason. Lamar is just on a different level as a passer. I mentioned that Gardner Minshew was number one in completion percentage over expectations. Number two was Lamar Jackson. I think he's just like... He's, he looks like a guy that's taken the next step, you know, and, and that's scary for everybody. Hollywood Brown's out there running deep routes. Everything is firing off for the Ravens. Conversely, the Browns are putting in a new system. Um, they're trying to gel in a way that, you know, they're just, they're just not a quality a team like the Ravens. But at the same time, this stat from uh, Rich Rebar at, Lord's Re- at Lord Reeves on Twitter uh, really did kind of throw me for a loop because uh, he said just 40% of Odell Beckham's targets from Baker Mayfield were deemed catchable in week one. He dropped one of them. Uh, so that's that's not what you want to see. But that ranks 57th out of 60 players with five-plus targets per pro football focus. Last year, he ranked 76 out of 86 wide receivers. So are we just never – like? Are we not going to get that? Because at the same time, I didn't expect Beckham to produce in week one, right? But I would have liked to see Mayfield at least not look like totally the worst quarterback in the league. I'm with you. I I, I use Baltimore and Survivor. This was the the team I was the most confident about this week. And um, man, thinking long term, it's like, is Baltimore going to regress a little bit with that gimmicky rushing attack? Oh, or Lamar Jackson might be even better and you might get 2.0 version with all these attacks downfield being opened up. Uh, That's going to be wow. I mean, should we just already have KC play Baltimore right now? Um, (laughs) And then on the flip side, I mean, yes, I, uh, Beckham was a guy I did fade this year. It, it just looked so much like it's just one game in a tough matchup. You said um, 10 targets you, you like to see. Um, it just looks so much like the last year's version with Freddie Kitchens and uh, Baker Mayfield right. to see the mechanics. Right. Um, the concern last year was in the clean pocket. His numbers were so bad. So you wanted to wave it off and say coaching. And he's young enough. Players improve. And his situation looks so so good around him. But Man, the mechanics and just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned. 4.8 YPA, no matter who your opponent is um, with those weapons. Yeah, I think it's absolutely concerned if you're a, a Beckham guy or, or Mayfield long-term outlook, for sure. That, that's the problem is that it looked <laughs> it looked exactly the same as last year. You know, like all of the problems that were present for Beckham and uh, Mayfield were exactly the same. You know, Beckham made one, you know, one drop. Like I said, that was an issue last year. But the connection between these, these two guys is just is just not there. Um, that's that's problematic. Like I said, things could totally turn around. I'm going to see who they play. Who do they play um, in week two? They play they play the Bengals on Thursday night, right? Like so, they could totally turn it around against the Bengals. Look like a much better team, and I do think they just sort of ran into a buzzsaw and got taken to the woodshed, like I mentioned, by the Baltimore Ravens, who might be you know one of the best two or three teams in the league. But it's just crazy that Baker Mayfield looks so different from the guy that came in and set the rookie passing record. I know with like passing touchdown records with guys like Rashad Higgins and Brashad freaking Perryman. He gets Odell Beckham and these two just for, for over a year long period now can't figure it out. I had Mayfield ranked aggressively high last year, like third or something. I was all so in. Same, I thought he was the next same. superstar for sure. Like I just could not have been more wrong, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And then we have to bring up the Nick Chubb situation because yes. uh, I, I thought next. we said we're gonna he's gonna be okay. Consider my level of concern much higher. Um, if they're gonna if he's gonna come off the field that often when they're trailing, 
Um, I mean, forget the target six to one cream hunt, but even more carries. Uh, he lost a fumble and Nick Chubb is a real good real life player. He's going to cash in those goal line scores and he's going to be okay, especially with running back situations. So scary right now throughout fantasy football. But um, yeah, it's an issue. It's a problem. And in PPR leagues, I don't know. I mean, is Kareem Hunt the more valuable property? I mean, it's possible. It, it is possible. I mean, their snap rate or their snaps were exactly the same. 33 for both of these guys. Kareem Hunt lined up as a receiver on just 11% of his snaps after being at 31% in 2019. So I don't really know how yes. these two – I don't really know how these two guys can coexist together and not be sort of neck and neck in terms of fantasy production. If the Browns are going to be this great offense, yeah, Nick Chubb can punch in, you know – 12 touchdowns or something like that but i don't know about that after week one um i kind of want to check in on you with this situation because i know you were out on tom brady uh after uh, a pretty poor finish to his new england career goes to the tampa Bay buccaneers and not really a fun uh debut but uh our producer noted that despite all that he did have pff's sixth best passing grade of the week which i thought um I don't know that I thought he had the sixth best passing uh, performance of the week, but where was week one just sort of like exactly what you expected from Tom Brady uh, or, or where, where are you at with that? Yeah, you'd think a pick six would knock you lower on that. What he's only the third player since, who was it, Schaub and Blaine Gabbert to have three straight games with a pick six now. Um, I thought he was actually okay. He threw the ball downfield. He, he got a, a couple long pass interference penalties that would have really contributed to his fantasy box score for you uh, that was right there. Um, and then the narrative, the, the media kind of gave him a hard time. I was a little bit more, uh, I thought it was a little oh, bit yeah. more negative on him. But um, so I think he, you know, he looked okay to me. I, I really don't have a strong opinion either way. Frankly, he looked fine. I mean, he looked, he looked okay and things could have gone either way. But uh, I'm not really here to say that, yeah, no, he looked done. I mean, he looked okay. Did you have any strong opinions? No, I mean, it was expected. You know, the, this is a team that yeah. still needs time to gel. Um, and Brady looked, I mean, Brady was apparently pretty pissed about the whole thing. You know, so I think he's, I think it's going to be fine. He just needs some time. If you're a Gronk uh, backer, though, that's the one I'd be worried about. Uh, OJ Howard had two red zones. Oh, zone, yes. OJ Howard, two yes. red zone targets, Gronk zero. Gronk was, you know, straight up behind him in the target share, too. So I'd be worried if I had, if I had Gronk more than yeah. if I'm thinking about this. I whole said that Brady on a prediction offense. Howard over Gronk. And I had a couple of my buddies who drafted him, I gave him a hard time, but I was only half joking. Now I'm dead serious. I'm not kidding. I, I absolutely, I think. OJ Howard, the light bulb's gone on. He will be the more fantasy valuable tight end. The Gronk, you know, Gronk's awesome and he's a good blocker and stuff. But I mean, come on, why, that guy was on fantasy. I mean, reality shows six months ago. He yeah. wants to be out here getting hurt in his body. I mean, seriously, I, I think OJ Howard. He, is, uh, here's here's what I really wanted to finish with on Brady before I, I talk about. It. Yeah, before I, but what I wanted to finish on with Brady was this uh, Bucks attack might not be ready for for prime time yet. But they get the Carolina Panthers defense in week two, so they're gonna they're gonna they might they're gonna probably look a lot better in week two because that Panthers defense got shelled in week one, and that brings us to. Our next segment, which is Who Got Shelled, presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. Then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups that you might want to take advantage of this Sunday. So, who got shelled last week? Well, sorry, Dalton, but it was your San Francisco 49ers who... Whoever they decided was going to cover DeAndre Hopkins, uh, it did not work out. When lining up against Emmanuel Mosley, 22 routes, 11 targets, 10 catches, 96 yards. Uh, that didn't work out. Really, the entire defensive approach, it did not go so well. Anyone who was fading DeAndre Hopkins because he had a new quarterback, you know, a new system, not, so, not such a great week one result. 
set career highs in catches with his first game, uh, Arizona. You know who else got shelled was that Minnesota young secondary by Devontae Adams. Me and you had him yes. number one on our fantasy wide receivers entering the year. What a game by De- De- Devontae Adams. 17 targets, two touchdowns, even with Marquez Valdez Scantling emerging Adams. 17 targets, just absolutely shelling that Minnesota secondary. You love to see it, man. You love to see top-level elite wide receivers doing their thing. All right, so who do you expect to get shelled this week? Who do I expect? This this week, it's Atlanta secondary is going to be overwhelmed. Give me Amari Cooper, man. He has these big home road splits. He goes back home. Dallas' passing attack is going to get back on track. That game is the highest total this week. Blake Jarwin is out. So give me Amari Cooper and company at home against the Falcons who are going to be overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that Dallas offensive line. Finally, after, you know, almost a decade-long domination or half a decade-long domination, uh, starting to show some cracks because of injuries and all that sort of stuff. But I'm not worried about it here in week two against an Atlanta Falcons defense that hasn't rushed the passer since uh, Barack Obama was the president. Anyways. <laughs> I expect to get shelled, and we, we just talked about the Packers taking it to the Vikings. I think they're going to take it to another uh division rival lions pass defense yikes number one you give up that performance to mitchell trubisky i know that he was pretty bad in the first three quarters of the game but nevertheless you let all that up they can't really rush the passer rogers i think that rogers that we saw in week one was not a mirage i know that he has been on the decline and you know Whatever, but I don't think he's lost anything physically. I think he's just developed into some bad habits over the years. But now, look, I know this is narrative and I'm sorry, but it it is what it is. I think he's like ready to go out there and prove his organization wrong, prove the doubters wrong. He was awesome in week one. That was like a vintage Rodgers performance. He got the ball out quick. That's going to be even worse against the Lions defense that's banged up in the secondary. And like I said, can't put any pressure on the passer. Uh, I I expect. Dude, where where do you have Rodgers ranked? Rodgers got... Aaron Rodgers got like 6.4 YPA on the road last year. I put him as my sit in, in my column. You know, I didn't think he was a top 12 fantasy start this week. Uh, they decided to blast that out on the fantasy app saying Dalton Del Don says to oh. sit Aaron Rodgers. I listed I listed 65 people in my column, but that's the notification that went out. Sit Aaron Rodgers in. I hope you're sitting down, Matt. A couple people let me know that I was wrong behind the scenes. So, yes, I've, I'm with you there, and I'm, the Lions are going to get shelled. I mean, I didn't expect uh, Jeff Okuda, their number three pick, to immediately be inactive as well so i'm with you here aaron Rodgers looks like a man on a mission to prove fools like me wrong and he's probably going to do another shelling this week yeah well i mean look you might have gotten shelled by your own company there dalton but that's got to happen sometimes <laughs> to get those clicks man i got i got Rodgers ranked seven this week and i might push him up uh even higher we will see what happens but that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks like Dalton did last week with that Rogers push notification. And once again, we want to give a shout out to planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with planters. Well, Dalton, we ran through uh, a ton of players, a ton of stuff. Uh, what else you got coming up this week? Uh, follow up the aforementioned sit start column. I promise I get a couple of them <laughs> right, but uh, yeah, look for that after uh, that rousing Friday endorsement and, uh, you've given yourself. Make sure yeah, to be- <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you to sit guys who go off like Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, man, he proved me wrong. But again, yeah, no, that, that's it. Uh, yeah. I'm on a podcast with Pianowski tomorrow talking some uh, week two NFL picks too. Perfect. Make sure you check that out. And while you're eagerly anticipating that particular podcast with Scott and Dalton, check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. And of course, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Deldon. One more thanks to Planters. And tomorrow, Dalton, have a great show with Scott as you preview the betting lines. We're out of here. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.